Hi, this is Kevin Barslow, Senior Interview Editor with the GPPR Podcast. I'm sitting down with Senator Michael Brown, and today we're going to talk about the D.C. statehood movement. So, um, how long has the modern statehood movement been around? Well, you know, I I think that you'd have to guess at that a little bit, but certainly since the early 1980s, it was, there was an outgrowth of the uh, home rule, when when D.C. got home rule, there was an outgrowth of civil rights people in in D.C. that started to push for statehood. And in 1982, they had a convention where they created my office, where they passed the Constitution, where they set up different things to fight for statehood. But then in the 1980s, later in the 19, uh, I'm sorry, in the 1990s when the control board came in, the whole thing for statehood kind of waned and it picked up again in the late 1990s. I see, I see. And um, that Constitution you mentioned is, um, I have here a copy of the Constitution of the State of New Columbia. Um, is that based off the 1980 Constitution, or is it a separate sort of? Well, outcome? actually, it's it, it's somewhat complicated. There was a 1982 Constitution that was then modified in 1987 by the uh, City Council, uh, and the 87 Constitution was based on the 82 Constitution, more or less. And now the new Constitution has been modified off of the 87 Constitution. So there's elements of both of those constitutions in the new Constitution. And there was a feeling that we needed a new Constitution because the last time, you know, we took a look at the Constitution was 1987. So, so being that, that, that far back, um, we decided that there needed to be some updating. And there was. And, you know, there were offices like Attorney General which have changed significantly uh, from the 1987 uh, Constitution, so adjustments had to be made. That makes sense. And um, so, has the Constitution, uh, the new Constitution that's been drafted, ever received like public comment or input? Yes, there was a public comment period, and this has been a bone of real contention over this Constitution. Uh, there was a public comment period where people could uh, send in comments online or come to three public meetings basically on the Constitution and testify before the New Columbia Statehood Commission which was the commission that passed the Constitution and that commission consists of the mayor the chairman of the City Council myself the other senator Paul Strauss and the representative uh, uh, Franklin Garcia so uh, then we had what what they call the Constitutional Convention where we had an all-day interaction with people and then there was a public meeting where we uh, passed the Constitution and we did in fact modify the Constitution on the basis in several places on the basis of comments and testimony that we received. Interesting, interesting. Um, And we might, uh, when we talk more about the effects, go into that, uh, the modifications later, but um, Right now, getting more of a base, what would you say are the main drivers of the D.C. statehood movement? Why do people want this? Well, I mean, it, it seems obvious to me, and maybe it's because I'm in the middle of the fight, 
we want it because it's the principle on which the country was founded, that you can't take people's money, ask them to fight in wars, and then not let them be represented. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Tax, taxation without representation is tyranny, according, according to Thomas Jefferson, and we're tired of the tyranny. I think that's one thing. And then it's just the practical aspects of it. We've seen a needle exchange program, which was defunded by Congress for 10 years as our AIDS epidemic skyrocketed and it wasn't until we were uh, the number one city in America with new AIDS cases that they allowed us to use our own money for a needle exchange program that sort of thing and uh, shutting down the government a few years ago and having the district government closed down uh, I think these things are starting to inspire people uh, to get involved to say look yeah this is just stupid we pay the highest taxes in America, we fight in the armed forces as at, at above the national average. In fact, there are over 30 Congressional Medal of Honor recipients from the District of Columbia, and and people are get I think are just getting tired of this, and they, they say, yeah, it's ridiculous. We're the only country in the world that does this. <laughs> yeah, true. And more Washington. You know, I often say that not allowing the people of Washington to have a voice in their own legislature is like telling the people of Detroit they can't drive cars. It just doesn't make any sense. You know, this is what we do in this town. Absolutely. And, and, and if you took, and it's funny because if you took the voting rights away from the people of Michigan, the people of Washington would be in the streets over that. It's harder for them to do it for themselves somehow, but they're coming around to it. So... What would be the process then by which D.C. achieves statehood? Well, one of the reasons D.C. wants statehood is because it's the one thing that resolves all of our difficulties. All states are treated equally. So we would be equal. We get autonomy over our budget, our legal system. We get representation in both houses of Congress, etc. So that's why we want to do it. And, and also because the Constitution of the United States says that Congress shall have exclusive legislation in every case over the district that they control. So that's another reason for statehood. We want to shrink the federal district. This is how it would work. We would shrink the federal district to an area which just uh, includes the Capitol, the White House, the, the, all the government buildings, uh, the mall area. And all the area in which people reside in the District of Columbia would be a new state. Now that uh, gets around the Constitution because the Constitution says they must be in control of that, and they would still be in control of that area in which they inhabit. Right. Uh, we would just create a new state. Congress made it easy to make states uh, because they wanted states. So uh, that's the easiest path for us. But what we have to do is put in an, an enabling act in Congress which has to be passed by both houses by a simple majority and signed by the president. So we now have a bill in. We've had a bill in the past three Congresses and the bill we have now has 153 co-sponsors. 133 in the House and 20 in the Senate and that's the most we've ever had on a statehood bill. So. Uh, that's what we have to do. We have to go through a simple legislative process. Uh, we also have to agree to certain things, which is why we're putting a referendum on the ballot that shows that we're ready for statehood. We have to agree to the be a state. The mm -hmm. people of the District of Columbia have to say, yes, we want to be a state. Two, 
we have to agree to the boundaries. What are the boundaries of the state? We have to agree to those boundaries. Three, we have to have a constitution, which is one of the reasons we've rewritten we, we the constitution. And four, we have to agree to be a Republican form of government, a representative government. Mm. Uh, so those four questions will be on the ballot in November. And the idea is that if they're approved overwhelmingly, which we hope, we can go to Congress and the new Congress and the new president and say, look, this is the demand that the people of the District of Columbia are making. And we're going to put in an enabling act and we expect you to support it. Now, Frederick Douglass told us that power concedes nothing without a demand. I've never found anything to be more true. And, and, and right now, we go up to Capitol Hill like we're some uh, political character out of a Dickens novel with our hat in our hand and we ask for a little more, you know, can we have a little budget autonomy, please? Can we have a, and we need to stop that. We need to go up and say, look, we're American citizens. We've been a part of America since America began and we demand that you give us our equal rights. Excellent. Um, so when DC does achieve statehood, mm -hmm. how does that change the workings of the city government? Do we still have the city council, the mayor, or would it be? No, it goes away. You have a governor. The way it's set up now, you have, and I should point out that, that there are hearings. There's one more hearing on October 7th about the Constitution. So the Constitution could still be modified. But the way it's set up now is there would be a unicameral legislature, uh, like Nebraska, which is the only other state that, that has a unicameral legislature. It would consist of, of the people that now sit on the council, plus eight new members to be elected, 21. Uh, the mayor would be the governor, and the chairman of the city council would become the speaker of the house. And that's how it would be set up. Interesting. Um, and as far as becoming like a county, would it be one county then? It, I, I, you know, that's an interesting question. I'm not exactly sure the answer to that question, but I assume that, yes, it would become one county. Okay. It's still broken up into wards. Now, whether we call the eight wards of the city districts or, uh, you know, wards or whatever they're called, those, or counties, perhaps, uh, those would be the, the units that would be part of the state. And it's even been suggested that the wards be cut in half so that there would be two, not, rather than two council members, I'm sorry, two delegates, from each uh, uh, ward and five at large, or, or I'm sorry, four at large and a speaker, that we'd split the, somebody suggested splitting the wards in half. So you'd have 16, 16 wards and you'd have one from each ward. Interesting, interesting. Um, so as far as support for the movement, obviously in the district itself, there's a lot of support. Um, what about broad base in the United States? Well, you know, this is our problem. 71% of registered voters in a recent survey done by the Washington Post want statehood. And when you talk to people outside the District of Columbia, they're all for it. 80% of the people polled nationwide think we should have the same race that they do. Mm -hmm. One of the problems is that 79% of them think that we do have those rights. Because why would you, if you lived in Nebraska and somebody told you the people of Washington don't have a, the right to representation, you'd be like, what? You know, right? It's the nation's capital. We're the home of democracy. Everybody assumes we have the same right. So that's our problem. And, and, and we need to let people know, number one, 
and two, we need to hold the people that stand against us accountable for that because we don't do that in their own states. We should have veterans out there doing commercials in Iowa saying, I went to Afghanistan and Iraq, but this guy doesn't think I should have a vote. Interesting. You know, I think that's the, we have to become more aggressive. And another problem we have is that people talk about D.C. statehood outside the District of Columbia like they talk about world peace. Are you for world peace? Well, yes, I am for world peace. Who's not? But, but what can we do about it? And I think that's the way people in California feel. This is not our problem. This is, uh, right? If somebody asked me, if we get to vote on it, okay, I'm with you guys. But we really, when I call my representative, I want them to deal with the problems that we're having in California. You know, that's right. what I call them about. So we have to motivate people to call uh, their Congress, their representatives, to put pressure on people. Uh, we have to make an issue out of it, you know. Absolutely. So what kinds of um, outreach efforts are going on in that aspect? Well, we don't do much in outreach, and that's our problem because they don't fund us. They don't fund us. The, the Council of the District of Columbia barely funds us. They fund us to the tune of $225,000 a year for three offices, and that includes all salaries, all expenses, all, I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of money. They've just decided in, in the District of Columbia they're going to pay $1.9 million to uh, publicize the streetcar line that nobody's riding, which is two miles long and has been a disaster and they spent $200 million on. So they spend $2 million on to promote something like that, but they're not spending anything to really to, to promote this. And this is our problem. We need to do outreach, you know. Now what I do is I do anything I can. Mm -hmm. I often call myself the Blanche Dubois of American politics because <laughs> I get along on the kindness of strangers. You know, somebody invites me to be a commencement speaker in Ohio. I go and give a speech. Uh, I go to, I gave, uh, uh, you know, a seminar uh, several times in front of the National Conference of Social Studies teachers in the hope that we can get social studies teachers to embrace this idea and teach it. We have put together a website uh, called teachdemocracy.net, which actually is a resource for teachers to get information to use in their classrooms about D.C. statehood. We you know, my wife will tell you, I will speak at the opening of an envelope. You know, there's no, no engagement that, that I turn down. But that's not enough. We have to put some real money into this. We, we need to get out into the states. We need to have surrogate speakers. Uh, you know, one of the mistakes we made with our constitutional amendment. You know, we had an amendment to the Constitution that was only ratified in 16 states. Uh, and, it, and so it fell about half short of what it needed for ratification after going through both houses of Congress. And part of the problem there is we just thought the righteousness of our cause would would carry the day instead of going out and lobbying for it in each state legislature. Right. Should have done that. Um, so um, you, you mentioned that um, October 7th, there's another open comment yes. meeting on the Constitution. Yes. Um, at what are 630. some of the, at six thirty? Um, what are some of the biggest changes between the previous constitutions and the new one that have come out of those comment sessions? Well, some of the biggest changes are that the last constitution wanted to keep thirteen member city council, mm -hmm. uh, so we've changed that to twenty one. 
Another uh, big change was uh, the Office of Attorney General, which really didn't even exist in the new, uh, the old Constitution. In the way they, uh, the in, in the old Constitution, it was appointed. Now it's an elected office. There have been some changes to the way ANCs work, but uh, only to make them, in our opinion, work better. Um, those are the main changes, and then little tweaks. The boundaries have been changed, and you know things like that. Okay, and um, with with the boundaries and boundary changes, so uh, should DC become a state, would we see the same boundaries as we have today, or would there be changes there? No, I think you you would see as a resident, you would see basically the same boundaries. There are some areas that have been cut out for the federal government, but but those are federal government areas now anyway. Right. Yeah. I, I guess I was being, like the outer boundaries. No, that would it's be the same. Okay. Same as as were originally established. Right. No changes to the outer boundaries. It's just a matter of what falls in the state of New Columbia and what falls in the the, the federal district. I see. Um, great. Well, um, that wraps it up for my questions. Okay. Uh, uh, so, as we said, that's October 7th at 6.30, and where can residents go if they want to come Here up? to the Wilson Building, and it's 6.30 p.m., let's point Six, that out. Sorry, 6.30 so p.m. Show up bright and early in the morning, 6.30 p.m., and it'll be here at the Wilson Building. Excellent. Great. And, uh, and everybody, if you're a registered voter, get out there on November 8th and vote yes for D.C. statehood. It's really important that we, we come in with a large... Uh, um, you know, a large uh, vote total to support this because when we go to Congress and we go to the new president, we, we don't want to look anemic. We want to look like, you know, everybody supports it and they should support it. It's a matter of equality. It's very simple. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the GPPR podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you're interested in more, check out gppreview.com, our Facebook page, GPP Review, and our Twitter, at GP Policy Review.